Hey, how you doing? My name is Nolan. I'm from Past Gas by Donut Media. We are the world's number one automotive podcast. That's right. We're a storytelling show. This week, it's part three of our history of Mazda. Last week, we talked about the rotary engine and how they started a little bit of racing. This week, they got a lot more serious with it. They needed to make a big splash in the world stage. They decided to go to Le Mans over there in France and prove that they could keep up with the Europeans and the Americans. They did have a hard time with it, though. It's very intriguing. The rotary engine we talked about last week had some challenges. This is for the real Mazda heads and anybody who's curious about automotive history in general. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Pass gas. I'll see you there. By the last race in the 1985 IndyCar World Series, the winner of the Drivers' Championship was still undecided. It was between Al Unser and his son, Al Unser Jr. Al Unser Sr. was already an accomplished racer with three Indy 500 wins and an IndyCar Drivers' Championship under his belt. As for his son, Al Jr.'s career was just beginning and a championship win would cement his place in the world of IndyCar racing. Now, all Al Sr. had to do was finish fourth or better at the race in Miami and the title would be his. He was running fifth behind Gals Racing's Roberto Moreno when Al was faced with a unique decision. Could he pass his rival to his third national championship or keep his spot and let his son take the crowd? It was at this moment that Al Unser Sr. had to make a choice. Was he a father or a race car driver? In this instance, he chose race car driver. After the race, Big Al was crowned IndyCar national champion for the second time. Though he later felt some regret for not letting his son win, he knew it wouldn't have been in the spirit of the sport to just hand him the championship. Little Al wouldn't have wanted it that way either. The Unser's competitive spirit is what made them champions. How did the Unser family earn their reputation in the world of automotive racing? What made them arguably the first family of the Indy 500? And what does the future of racing hold for the new generation of Unser's? Today on Pass Gas, we're talking about the Unser family. I would not just hand it to my kid. No. That's not how you're no. raised, man. That's not racing. I teach him a lesson. Literally, that goes <laughs> against the de- definition of racing. Yeah. Right? Racing means like, oh, number one. So my best friend uh, growing up, his dad bought a Nintendo, like the original Nintendo, and we're like, hell yeah. Like, it was the first one on the block. Uh-huh. And then I'd be like, hey, when are we going to play a Nintendo? <laughs> and he'd be like, no, that's my dad's. Oh, no. And he would just sit in the basement and play Al Unser Racing <laughs> on the original Nintendo. And that dude farted a lot. Like, you, <laughs> even if you could play it, you wouldn't want to go down into the basement. That checks that was like out. A fart was a cave. Fart cave. What a weird yeah. dad. No, he was I nice. I understand it. Yeah. Sort of. Like, if I built... Like a sick racing sim, I mm-hmm. probably would let my kids drive it. But yeah, you don't want them get. But that's it. like his thing, you know. You don't want to get it all sticky with jelly. Yeah, the kids are always having their hands in the jelly. Oh my yeah, god, I played. Eat. I played N sixty four at my friend's house that didn't have great hygiene. Mm-hmm. Oh and boy, I just 
like that was a last impression. What's their first and last name? John Blake. John, John Blake. Blake. Watch those together, hands, dude. buddy. Wash Come your on. Hands, bro. His sister was my first kiss. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did she have good hygiene? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <first. laughs> Real good. <laughs> Ask me how I eat. You tell me. <laughs> don't, don't. It was on the way here. <laughs> no. It was on the way to the Smell studio. my lips and oh tell me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> smell my lips. <laughs> smell my lips. I <laughs> Welcome to Pass Gas, uh, the Internet's number one automotive hygiene show. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my co-hosts. <laughs> Uh, James Pumphrey. Number one automotive podcast on the planet. That's right. Thank you guys so much. Suck it, car guys. And And Matt Farrell, see you in hell. (laughs) And Joe Weber, what's up, man? What's up, Wink Wink Nation? I see you. (laughs) With my other eye. I'm trying to bring that back from Avatar. I see you. I I see see you. you. Yeah. I still haven't seen the second one. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the Unser family. To understand how the Unsers became the competitive racing family they are today, we need to look back at their pioneering beginnings in the sport. After immigrating from Switzerland, Louis and Marie Unser moved to Colorado Springs with their three sons in tow. There was Louis Jr., Joe, and Jerry. There, they settled near Pikes Peak. They're like... Let's leave Switzerland and go to America, Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, stick to what you know, you know? Uh, It was at the foot of Pikes Peak that Louis Unser began to take a keen interest in those newfangled automobiles, and so did his sons. In 1915, the three Unser boys rode a motorcycle and sidecar to the summit of Pikes Peak, a mountain that was previously considered unscalable. People were so impressed that the Colorado City Police hired the brothers to train them to ride. And they're like, hey, how'd you fit two guys into a sidecar <laughs> and one guy on the bike? Or how do you think they did that? Two of them on the bike and one guy in the sidecar? Saddlebags. They sat mm-hmm. in the saddlebags. They saddlebags. Yeah, they're little guys. They're, yeah. We didn't mention that, but they're little guys. It is the early 1900s. Yeah, they're about the size of the rescuers. Yeah. <laughs> A year later, in 1916, mineral tycoon Spencer Penrose finished his Pikes Peak Highway and decided to celebrate what he'd accomplished with a 12.4-mile road race to the top. Wait, is this the guy who made the hotel? I believe so, the Penrose Hotel, right? Okay. Yeah. It's all coming together. So it's not a coincidence. No. (laughs) His last name is the name of the hotel. (laughs) We did do a whole episode on the Pikes Peak race. That was a good one. so, this race was dubbed the Pikes Peak Auto Hill Climb, a.k.a. the Race to the Clouds. And like I mentioned, we did a whole episode on it, episode 60 to be exact, so check that out if you want to know more about Pikes Peak. Now, while all three brothers were automotively gifted, eldest son Louis Jr. stood out the most, especially when it came to the Pikes Peak Auto Hill Climb. He eventually earned the moniker Old Man of the Mountain. Ooh, oh, yeah. Oh. That's cool. Over here, dude, to be a young dude and called old man. Yeah, he must have dressed like me. (laughs) He eventually earned the moniker Old Man of the Mountain after he won the race a whopping nine times from the early 30s to mid-60s. Well, that's when you could die very easily doing that. Uh, You still can. still pretty rough up there. It is. But they more didn't have so roll bars bad. back then. They didn't have roll bars or pavement. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah, it was all gravy. Yep. Straight up grav. Mm-hmm. Grav National Guard. 
<laughs> rails. No such thing back then. Nope. Nope. Slippery. It was literally a slippery slope. <laughs> Usually that means going downhill. Nope. <laughs> Not this time, pal. <laughs> he raced his final Pikes Peak auto hill climb at 71 years old, joking that he was, quote, the only driver who's ever paid the registration fee with a retirement uh, check. <laughs> old man of the mountain. Probably Wholesome. a lot of guys these days that do that. Probably a lot. Yeah. Three the three brothers found a sponsor through Coleman Front Drive Company, hmm. and they began to train in hopes of qualifying for the 1930 Indy 500. However, tragedy struck in 1929 when, on a stretch of road between Denver and Colorado Springs, middle son Joe lost control of his car and was killed. Wait, Damn. I'm a middle son Joe. That row. Are you a ghost? You're the. Middle child? Would a ghost get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube for eating cookies on the toilet? I don't think so. If not a million. I'd watch a ghost on YouTube. Yeah. Can you milk me? (laughs) I'd watch a ghost on YouTube, Greg. (laughs) Can you milk me? (laughs) Joe's death was was a huge loss in more ways than one. The boys lost their sponsorship and ended this generation of Unser's dream of making it to Indianapolis. Companies were cold back then. Yeah, I mean, no, we don't yeah. know the whole story, but it's like, your brother died? <laughs> I don't want to give you money anymore. I mean, companies are pretty cold nowadays, yeah. too. Yeah, but uh, still. You want your kids to be able to drink but, water? I don't think yeah. so. These days, that would be like, oh, your your brother died? Like, you could make a whole yeah. thing about it. Oh, your brother died? Let's do a Twitter campaign. Yeah, yeah some like drop. limited edition, uh, like, windbreaker or something with a yeah. dead let's, person. Let's do dead Joe Unser bottled water. <laughs> Though Louis Jr. later made it as far as qualifying in 1940, mechanical troubles prevented him from joining the race itself. As for the youngest, Jerry... He continued to race for a few more years, but eventually refocused his efforts on building cars. Oh, a little shift there. little shift. Uh, We've seen it a lot. Yeah. We've seen that a lot. Getting into a a new gear. (laughs) You know what? I don't. I don't know if I want to drive these. Yeah, really changing lanes. Pump the brakes on that, guys. In 1932, Jerry and his new wife, Mary, ha-ha! Would you marry someone whose name rhymed with yours? Their name would be weird. Lames? Lames. Lames or Thames. I can see some Thames. Thames. Thames? Yeah, like some British chick. Thames is a boy's name. Thames is a river, isn't it? Yeah, it is a river. Thames. Thames. Tames. Anyway, I'd be kind of weird. Like, would yeah, you would marry Brolin? someone named yeah, Brolin? <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of uh, lady names. Zohan. 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 Yeah, that's a half that's a bit of a yeah. Joe, Joe, you can marry a Mo. Mo's a oh, hot name oh, for that's a girl. Cute. Like yep. Mo Tucker. <laughs> so Jerry and Mary uh, had two kids that named Jerry Jr. and Louie. Louie's like. Jerry, Mary, Jerry, and Louie. <laughs> They're like chipmunk names. Like, Jerry, Mary, you ever, Jerry Jr. Jerry, Mary, Jerry, and Louie. It's like, haven't you guys ever heard of Terry? Jerry, Mary, Jerry, I and wish Terry I and was Larry. a Terry. Gary. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> then in okay, 1934, <laughs> Bobby was born. Oh. Ah, okay. In 1936, Jerry Sr. moved his family from Colorado to Albuquerque, I assume to make and sell methamphetamines, <laughs> where he opened his own garage. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> Should have guessed that. He quickly gained a reputation for being able to fix things other people couldn't. And then in 1939, Jerry and Mary had their fourth and final child, Alfred, a.k.a. Al. Okay. So this yep. is the guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It was on the dirt borough roads of 1940s Albuquerque that Jerry Sr. taught his four sons how to drive in a Ford Model A. He also taught them to stick to their endeavors no matter how hard they were. The sons of the endeavors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that with grit and determination, they could do anything. The brothers would go on to race cars in bigger and bigger events until they made it to the Pikes Peak Auto Hill Climb and eventually the big show. All right. The Indy 500. Let's go, dude. Let's, Let's freaking go. go. Let's go. Let's go. Jerry Unser Jr. was the start of a new generation of racing Unser's. He, along with his brothers, began competing in races in his teenage years and became known around the Southwest. After a stint with the Navy in Hawaii and the 1953 Hawaiian stock car title, Jerry returned to Albuquerque to work in his father's garage. Hawaiian stock car title. That's crazy. Yeah. Gonna get a big job That's inside cool. of my father's garage. <laughs> <laughs> in 1955, Jerry Jr. returned to his roots in Colorado to race the Pikes Peak Auto Hill Climb, just like his father and uncles before him. Jerry Jr. came in fourth place that first year, driving an Offenhauser Special, and came back to win the stock car class the following two years. Wow, 1956 and 1957, behind the wheel of a Ford, uh, if you must know. In 1957, Jerry Jr. won the 1957 USAC Stock Car Championship as well. This guy... He's a talented one. He's good. Then in 1958, Jerry accomplished something no other Unser had before. He started racing in the Indy 500. Uh, On May 30th, with racers still on the warm-up lap, Ed Elysian and Dan Rathman were battling it out when Elysian spun and triggered a 15-car pileup that flipped Jerry's car over the outside wall, knocking him out of the competition. Luckily, though... Jerry only suffered a dislocated shoulder. The accident, though, took the life of fellow racer Pat O'Connor. Man, I think about this sometime, like, when I'm just driving on the highway, mm-hmm. that your life is just in the hands of a bunch of idiots. Oh, yeah, you every trust. Day. Yeah, I, I trust. Yeah, you can't think about that, because once you do, man. I know. It's awful. <laughs> like, you just really have to be aware all the time yeah it takes a lot of the system is based on a lot of trust i think we do a pretty good job i know we do it's based on a lot of trust the idea of like the car thing and driving around and Mm -hmm. everyone just being like "Ah, don't kill me please uh really is one of the only things that gives me faith pretty insane yeah Jerry returned to Indianapolis the following year to compete again. On the second day of practice, he lost control of his car and hit a wall before catching fire. Jerry was rushed to the hospital with third-degree burns on half of his body. Uh. After 17 days, Jerry Unser Jr. succumbed to his injuries after contracting pneumonia. Oh, my God. As a result of his death, the Indy 500 rules were changed and fire retardant suits were made mandatory. You're supposed to call them fire divergent suits. Really? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. 
Louis Unzer was born 10 minutes after his twin brother, Jerry. And like his twin, Louis was drawn to racing Pikes Peak. While preparing for his Pikes Peak auto climb in 1955 alongside his twin, Louis found himself without a vehicle after his uncle Louis convinced the owner of Louis's car that the kid wouldn't be able to handle it. What a jerk, Uncle Louis. Yeah, kinda. Not I was my initial thing was like, what a jerk, but then it's like probably doing him a favor. Is, yeah, he's his uncle. He's like, hey man, don't let my freaking nephew drive that car, dude. This yeah. is Pike's yeah. Peak. It's literally a slippery slope. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's named after me. Yeah, this is my namesake, dude. What the God, Carl. The crap is your problem, dude. <laughs> <sighs> Finding himself without a vehicle the day of the race, Louis went on to compete in a Jaguar built by his father. Uh, and then, yeah, so his dad was like, hey, man, don't tell my kid that it's too dangerous to drive a car. Here, here's a car. You drive yeah. it on that. Here's beat. a Jaguar. It's a hand-built Jaguar. Hand-built Jaguar. A Jerry Unzer Sr. Special. He ended up placing third overall just ahead of his twin brother. Nice, Louie. Oh, you may have been born first, but I finished the race first. <laughs> Though he sat out for a few years, Louie returned in 1960 and 1961 to win the stock car class. But as good as Louie was as a racer, he was an even better mechanic. Hmm. A regular Zach Job, if you will. <laughs> in 1956, Louis went to work for Bill Strope's factory team until oh, they wow. shut down in 1957. That's Who's cool. Bill Strope? He's another one of those those guys. That yeah. would be at the bar? Yep. Yeah, dude, if this podcast gets like to the point where, I don't know, we're going on tour or something, I want to film like a sketch, but like... Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny, but it's no, it's really funny, but it's also like sweet and heartfelt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the three of us are in that bar. Yeah. And we cast like pretty big names, as big as we can get to yeah. play Hader, like all these guys. All the yeah. Guys. Bill Hader's yes. in it for sure. <laughs> yeah. We can Nick get Nick Schwartzman yeah. is in it. <laughs> and like we get all these guys to play like Carol Shelby. Yeah. And Bill Strope. And uh, Jesse Plemons should be. Jesse Plemons Jesse is Pl in it for sure, dude. Je Jesse Plemons. That noise you hear is the mini bike that we're building for a land speed record. Uh, we're going to try yeah, and make we're this We're going to get Alan Covert from Grandma's Boy. Yeah. So there's a mini bike that we're building to go 100 miles per hour. We bought it at Walmart, and we're going to take it and make it go 100 miles per hour. You guys might not know this, but we actually do make this show right next to an active garage. That's yeah, good. right beyond that wall is a little pit bike that's going to go 100 yeah, miles per hour. There's a little pit bike. Inside of an actual garage. We're also going <laughs> to yeah, so, cast Joel David Moore. Yeah, so Joel David Moore and Joel yeah. from Community. But oh, and yeah. so like we're like just at the bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like these guys start walking in and we're like, dude, 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 dude is that Ken Miles? Dude, shh, shh. Hey, hey cool, Mike, cool. give me a beer, yeah. you pisser. And uh -huh. then they're all clearish. What? Yeah, they're all because they're ghosts. ghosts. They're ghosts. And right. they take drinks, and it just goes right through them and splashes right. on yeah. the ground. So, like yeah, they splash on the right. ground. And then we slip. And there's a little slapstick there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then at the very end, Carol Shelby and uh, three other dudes throw us each the keys. Oh. And then we yeah. drive away. And we crash and become then ghosts. Then we crash <laughs> and we <laughs> become ghosts. <laughs> and then we never go on stage. And then we never go on stage. <laughs> yeah. And then we just go. Weren't you guys paying attention to the video? <laughs> That's what actually happened. What do you guys get think of getting Tom Holland as Bruce McLaren? 
I like Tom. He seems like a nice guy. I think he's in a lot of stuff. And yeah, I don't think. I mean, if his schedule permits, yeah. I'm open to it. Yeah. But I'm not waiting around for him. No, no, no. Because I also got Tom Hardy on the line. Oh, Ooh. different direction. But I think he yeah. he's really excited about yeah. the role. I want you to watch his tape. Okay, I will. All right. So he was on Bill Strip's factory team until they shut down in 1957. At that time, he teamed up with his twin brother Jerry and served as his chief mechanic. Oh, little a little family team little Family there. team. Working together, they won Jerry the 1957 USAC Stock Car Championship and Louie the title of Mechanic of the Year. Wow. Best case scenario yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, that's awesome. Daddy was so proud. <laughs> Jerry gave Louie his championship ring. Oh, that's really sick, actually. Which his twin wore proudly for the rest of his life. Wow. Uh-huh. Later in 1965, Louis would also serve as youngest brother Al's chief mechanic for his rookie year. If it wasn't for Louis, I wouldn't have made it at the speedway, Al said. He pushed me. What do you guys think of getting Steve Zahn in? To- oh, Steve yeah, Zahn is sure, a dude. shoe in. Dude, yeah. yeah, from White Lotus. Yeah. He's back, baby. He's the best. I the love Zahn, Steve Zahn. Man. He could play Deuce if he wanted to. For sure, dude. Yeah, dude. Steve Zahn is Hank the Deuce. Yeah. And everyone just is like, get the crap out of here. Yeah. This is for racers. <laughs> and he's like, ah, but my dad. And then we shoot him in the head with a shotgun. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a zombie. Oh, in the movie. He's a oh, zombie. He's a zombie. Steve Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> From 1960 to 1962, Louis worked as an engine builder, machinist. Machinist Christian Bale is going to reprise his role as Ken Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanic, crew chief, and crewman for legendary team owners such as Carol Shelby, played by Ben Affleck in our movie, <laughs> and Bill Strobe, played by Matt Naiman. <laughs> In 1964, Louis was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. When he was no longer able to race, he started an engine building company in Southern California. Some of those engines would power his brother Bobby's cars at Pikes Peak. That's sick. Although confined to a wheelchair, Louis continued to work and raise awareness about multiple sclerosis until the 1990s. Wow. Bobby was the younger middle child, the third of the Unser brothers, and like his brothers before him, he took to motorsport immediately. At just 15 years old, Bobby began racing at the Roswell Speedway. By 1955, he was ready for Pike's Peak and came in fifth place, just behind his two older brothers. Wow, that was a really Unser heavy year in 55. Yeah. The next year, at only 22 years old, he won the race in the open wheel class in a car built by his dad. Man, Jerry imagine... Senior. Racing in that gravel with open wheels, and you're just, just getting like bullets hitting you in the head. Get some goggles, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, let's boy. get some goggles on that guy. Can you imagine having twin older brothers? Oh, yeah. They're like talking to each other on their with their minds as they pummel you. Yeah, yeah, like Winklevoss. Uh, the Winklevoss twins. Winklevoss twins. The like, twins from the Matrix. Yeah, they're like <laughs> velociraptors. <just> like, <laughs> and they <laughs> flank you. <Yeah. laughs> Clever brother. <laughs> my uh, my One of my best friends, uh, Andrew, uh, he had two older brothers that were twins, Jonathan Ooh. and Matthew. And uh, that's where I learned, dude, Perfect Dark and N64 while yes. listening to the the Eminem show. With that yes. sentry gun? Uh, yeah, dude. Or like the, uh, what was it? The Foresight or something? It could shoot through walls. Yep. It was like yep. an alien weapon. Yeah. Anyway, Matt and John, great times. I love that game. Yeah. I want to play that now. But twin older brothers, that's like, that's, that's pretty cool. next I level. I love that. That's yeah. pretty sick. 
<laughs> you Next are level. hard as a rock. Yeah. You're, you're just tough. Like, yeah. Tough, dude. You're like, prison? Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> From 1958 to 1963, Bobby won six straight titles at Pikes Peak, a streak that only came to an end when his younger brother, Al, beat him in 1964. Oh ah! Over his career at Pikes Peak, Bobby set a track record eight times. What the hell? So in 1986, after a record was broken by one Michelle Mouton. I also did thought we were going to talk about her. her. Yeah, Audi approached Bobby to see if he would like to take the record back. At this point, he hadn't raced Pikes Peak in 12 years, but he accepted the challenge. I don't think she hit the brakes once that That's time. Crazy. And it was like flat out in areas that like veteran racers were like a little bit more careful. That's wild. At age 52, Bobby expertly raced an Audi Quattro to the summit in 11 minutes, 9.22 seconds, winning the race for the 10th time. In doing so, Bobby also broke two records. He beat Michelle Mouton's time by 16 Whoa. seconds, oh, God. and he broke the tie he had with his uncle Louis for the the number of overall victories at Pikes Peak Auto Hill Climb. The record is still 10 victories to this day. I don't think anyone's going to beat that. It's too late for me. <laughs> no, you got 10 years left. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here, all right? In 1963, a young Bobby Unser... <laughs> was doubting himself. Even though he was dominating at Pikes Peak, he wasn't sure he would do much more than that. At the time, Bobby was broke and living on Parnelli Jones's couch. Uh, he's in the movie. Yeah. And he just didn't think that he could make a living in the world of racing. <laughs> the guy from The Bear plays Parnelli Jones. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to say, is it Rick Fox? Maddie Matheson? Dude, Parnelli Jones is a crazy guy. He's funny? I think he's a... He's a what about Jim yeah. Carrey? <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey, maybe that's a. Mm -hmm. But we age him down ah, with the power of computers. Yeah, we use a computer to age down Jim Carrey. Well, now this movie's getting expensive. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. I don't want to blow, but I've been talking to some guys in China. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to quote Bobby Unser. I had zero interest in the Indianapolis 500 because I honestly didn't think I was good enough to go there. And if it weren't for his friendship with Parnelli, Bobby might never have. Parnelli got Bobby an Offenhauser Roadster, as well as a rookie test to get him into the race. Although Bobby passed his test, the Offy wasn't giving him the times he needed. So he and Parnelli talked to STP CEO Andy Granatelli into letting Bobby have a couple laps in a yellow Novi. Who, I not just, Rick Fox. Who am I thinking of? I can't believe this. Yeah, Rick Fox is the basketball player turned actor. Who am no, I thinking of? You're thinking of the guy with the mustache yes, that's yes, really yes. skinny and tall. The guy who plays, uh, he's in Grand Theft Auto. He's like Garbage Man in Parks and Rec. Yes, Rack. that guy. Yeah. He was in uh, Jury Duty. Kirk Fox. Kirk Fox <laughs> is Parnelli Jones. And I think that is a great casting call right there, if I don't say so myself. Doesn't look like him, but I'm oh, sure he yeah, could. Kirk Fox for sure, mm -hmm. dude. Get him in. Yeah, dude. That guy's apparently. Who's trained. playing Michelle Mouton? Michelle Kate Mouton. Kate Blanchett? Uh, Kate Blanchett is Kira Knightley. Oh. No, no, no. Uh, Marie Cotillard. Ooh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect casting. Yeah. We got her, dude. 10 out of 10. She owes me one. <laughs> or Leah Seydoux. Who that? She's also a French actress. Well, I figured Leah by the name. Say, uh, she's been in a lot of action movies. Yes. Yeah, she could do it. But I feel like maybe there, maybe Marion Cotillard, Marion Cotillard has the fire inside yeah, of her. Maybe Leah, 
Leah Sadu is her co-driver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Marie Cotillard That's is cool. much more of a Mouton than That's Leah cool. Sadu. But Leah Sadu, I don't know what Cotillard, I don't know what Mouton's navigator looked like, but Sadu is definitely giving me, she's given navigator. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, drivers were afraid of the Novi engine because they had lots of power. Lots of. Would you say that they had a power? Yeah, I would. Uh, Bobby was unsure and later said, "Quote." Cha-ching. <laughs> Sorry, he said, every, "Quote." Every, every time I say that, I get a thousand bucks. A power, baby. Cha-ching. <laughs> Cash that check. Cash that check, daddy. Cha-ching. Mo power, baby. Quote. <laughs> It had power beyond belief. I could easily, I mean easily, smoke the tires at 200 miles per hour. Sheesh. It had a little thing that I like to call a mo power, baby. <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> but after only three laps, Granatelli offered Bobby the car for his debut in the 1963 Indy 500. And although he had only made it three laps before he crashed in an attempt to avoid fellow driver Dick Rathman, Dick Rathman, the race changed him. Quote, I was a 29-year-old rookie, but I became famous overnight, not because of Bobby Unser, but because of the Novi. He said, It was in every paper, and that really got me going. And it was all because Parnelli Jones thought I deserved a chance if we're not feeling kirk fox may i suggest walton goggins walton goggins yeah. is the obvious choice he's really fun to have on set is you know, yeah i see a scene where he like gets out of this open wheel roadster and takes his like goggles off oh, and there's dude, a bunch just, of smoke yeah and like like flies stuck in his big teeth yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow this one's got a lot of power i could smoke the tires at 200 maybe we get kirk fox or granatelli anyway though bobby returned to indy with the novi he never won a race with it then, in 1968, everything would change. Bobby returned to the Indy 500 with a conventional Offenhauser engine, uh, one of the most popular engines of that era. In the pole position and P2 sat Joe Leonard and Graham Hill, respectfully, each driving one of Granatelli's new STP-sponsored turbine engines. Dude, I can't believe the Stone Temple pilots have been in racing for this long. Prize in the Vaseline, we are and have a man on her. There's that a go racing again. Is it you? Is it me? I'm a, I'm a Jerry and Parnelli. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go to the race. It's Indianapolis. Nice, dude. Very, very good. Purple, great album. Go check it out if you're a Zoomer who's never heard of rock music. You never heard of rock music, you idiot. Uh, Not everything is Jack Harlow and Grimes. No, uh, 21 Pilots is pretty hard rock, okay? they Yeah, dude. I mean, 21 Pilots just blends and masters all genres. You can't really pin them down. When I was a little okay, kid, so I used to do my math homework. In 68, <laughs> Bobby's at the Indy 500. Uh, and he remembered thinking, quote, I knew I could run with them, but honestly, I didn't think I could outrun them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> However, 10 laps before the end of the race, Joe Leonard's fuel pump shaft snapped, giving Bobby the lead. Honestly, Shift? when I said that thing before, I didn't know the fuel pump was going to go. Yeah, so it probably had a mechanical fuel pump uh, where the engine was driving it. Oh. Yeah, much Do like you a push rod system? think that Bobby Unser was like, 
actually humble, or do you think he was just like, ah, man, like fake humble? Uh, no, I think they're pretty probably, honest. Yeah, probably was. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem like he's showboating or anything. Yeah. No, he seems very uh, humble. Yeah. yeah. Many had assumed that the turbine engines would have blown away conventional engines like Bobby's, but instead of sticking with the aviation fuel that the turbines qualified with, Granatelli used gasoline for the race due to a $100,000 partnership with Standard Oil. Big mistake. It turned out to be a costly decision. Yeah, yeah okay. dude, that's dumb AF. Yeah. yeah, Bobby held on to the lead for the next 10 laps and won his first Indy 500, nearly a full lap ahead of the competition. He also became the first Indy 500 driver to reach speeds over 170 miles per hour. You. Bobby was unstoppable for the rest of that year and would go on to win at the Stardust International Raceway. Dude, that's the hardest level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Rainbow Road. Phoenix yeah. Raceway, Trenton Speedway, and again, the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, all of which earned him his first USAC National Driving Championship. I've been to Phoenix Raceway. It's little. Is it? Yeah. Cool. It's little, which means it's loud the whole time. Yeah. And there's nowhere where it's not loud. That's where I rode in an Indy car with Mario Andretti. Oh. That's where I saw Mario Andretti in his, in his underpants. underpants. Purple, Purple briefs. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the best known unser, Al, was born in 1939. Al was much more soft spoken than his brothers. And later in life, the press knew if Al won the race, it was going to be a bad interview. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't like to talk about himself. I mean, Bobby was pretty humble, too. And worst of all, his favorite word <laughs> was the N-word. <laughs> That's neat. That's not. No, neat. the word was neat. Yeah, neat. Not the that N-word. Word. Neat. Neat. The N-word. It's, uh, no, it's, it's an N-word. It's an N-word. It starts with N. It yeah. starts with N. It's an N-word. Al Unser's favorite word in interviews was an N-word. Neat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? It was. It is. Let's just keep going. He loves saying the N-word in interviews, and journalists I, didn't like that he loved saying an N-word. He's just like, neat this, neat that. Uh, give us more, they said. How was it? Neat? They were like, quit saying that. N-word. Dude, we have a million clips of you saying neat. Can you say another N-word? <laughs> Can you say another N-word? <laughs> <laughs> Nifty. Nifty. Ah. <laughs> Dennis Lada of the Albuquerque Journal joked that his best interview with Al was after he had crashed in Michigan. He had a broken leg and a couple broken ribs, but they had him on painkillers. So oh. he was laughing more than you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that made it to a book somewhere. Yeah. He was like, can you imagine how uh, how high the guy just got to be to make it in a book? <laughs> he was like, uh, like one of those kids who just got their wisdom teeth taken out. Yeah. Oh, Al bit me. Al bit me. <laughs> <laughs> the throwback. Another, <laughs> that was like the first video. <laughs> <laughs> Another way Al was different from his brothers was in his driving style. For example... Bobby was known for constantly pushing his car on every lap, but Al was much more patient and reserved. Huh. The R word. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept his car within striking distance of race leaders. Al lived by the motto that in order to finish first, first you had to finish. So he took care of his equipment. It's possible he learned this patience 
from being the youngest of four. He's last to get a piece of chicken. Yep. Yeah. Last to play the Nintendo yep. video game. Yeah. Last to brush his little tiny teeth. Yeah. Okay. Last to pee pee poo poo. Yeah. Last to do anything. You know? yep. He said that like but, a joker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> by the time he got close. Three people had worn them on. Yeah. yeah. And two of them at the same time because they're twins. Yeah. <laughs> Their differences aside, the Unser brothers were close, if not extremely competitive. However, if anybody came for one of them, they came for all of them. Uh oh. Yeah, nice. dude. Do not Musketeer style. Twins. They don't even have to use words to talk. <laughs> at the time, their Uncle Louie was the king of Pikes Peak. So when these young Albuquerque Uncers started racing at the peak, they brought a new attitude to the competition that Uncle Louie didn't like. And Uncle Louie always got his revenge. What? <laughs> you had to be 21 years old to race in the Pikes Peak Auto Hill Climb. But when Al was only 20, he decided that he was ready to compete. Now on the day of the race, Al was all set to go until he found out that someone turned him in for being oh, underage. Was it Uncle? Unc, how could you do this? Unc Unser? Unc Unser. Unc Unser. <laughs> it was immediately clear to the family that the only person in Colorado who knew how old Al was was Uncle Louie. Al's father, Jerry Sr., was so upset by this move that he stopped talking to his brother altogether. Wow. Al together. Al together. Sorry, Louie. Not talk to me. <laughs> As for Al, he didn't seem to mind all that much. Instead, he waited for his time and came back to win Pikes Peak in both 1964 and 1965 in the open wheel class. This Uncle Louie yeah. stops Bobby from racing in the car, uh -huh. and then now he's... Narking, yeah, on little Al, yeah. But listen, plain devil's advocate here. I'm kind of on the side of Uncle Louie has seen death in racing. I know, for sure. But he's like, dude, what are you doing? Don't let your kids do this. Twenty year he's old, twenty. Yeah, he's but twenty years he's 20. old. Twenty. He's a man. He is. Okay, let him go. But also, f you, Louie. You R word. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what? What's the R word? Really big jerk. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not on Uncle Louie's side for this. The kid's, he's 20 years old. Dude, you act like 20. He's like grown up. I mean, I think you're I, old I enough. Get what you're to, saying. I think you're old enough at this point to look back at yourself at 20 and be like, I was not an adult. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But it's at not 20, like he was like, think you're an adult. it's not like he's, it's not like uh, it's World War II and. Louis is signing up for the army at 17 years old. I know, but it is, it is a mountain that you can fall off. I know, but they all did that, and they all were mostly fine. <laughs> they were mostly <laughs> fine. Look, for the the fact that Jerry Sr. stopped mm -hmm. talking to Louis, Uncle yeah. Louie altogether yeah. leads me to believe that these are not the only two instances of Uncle right. Louie so, being weird. Right. Yeah. Assuming his, this is totally dependent for me on his intentions. Mm -hmm. If they're good intentions and he's worried about his nephew... I can see it and being like, hey, my brother, like, I love this kid. Mm -hmm. My brother's a little too loose with the hip. Let's yeah. the kids go mm -hmm. do dangerous stuff. I don't want to see one of them die. I'm going to, I'm invested in their life. But Al but, was the more reserved racer. Yeah. His brother anything, was the w reckless one. Yeah. yeah, but he shot both of them. 
Yeah. Exactly. I, there's something else going on here. There's something, there's something else, else and going we're on. Gonna well, Louis the is money. the king of the mountain. He wants to keep his title. Ah, ah, maybe there right? are dark intentions of food. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. Who's playing Louis in this movie? Uh, it depends on his intentions. Alfred Molina? Dude. Sean Astin. No, too wimpy. Too small. He, this is a, a a chance for him to play a vindictive guy who wants to hold on to his own. Do you think he has that in him? Absolutely. Look, okay. he's been Frodo. He's been Rudy? Rudy. He's been he's been Bob in Stranger he Things. He was Samwise. He was he's not teach, Frodo. Whatever. You know he's what little, I mean. He was a hey little guys, Frodo guy. I don't want to go all Hollywood on this, but he's a little chunky these days. <laughs> Maybe he's jealous. <laughs> what about the other guy from Stranger Things, the tall one? Oh, oh uh, Harbor, David Harbor. David yeah. Harbor. I could see that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He Hellboy. can play bad. Hellboy. Hellboy. Yeah. And Ron Perlman, the other Hellboy, plays their dad. Uh, you know, the David Harbor Hellboy was Jerry not Lynch. that bad. Jerry it was okay. I, of course, love the Guillermo del Toro Hellboys the most, but the David Harbor one, not that bad. Let's keep yeah. it moving. <laughs> After a digression that I made. Uh, in 1964, Al made his USAC debut at the Milwaukee Mile. Whoop, Joe! Whoop. Hello! Milwaukee the crummiest mentions. place on earth, JK. <laughs> oh, oh, let me move past you real quick. Oh, oh, maybe you got some fries and maybe a hot dog over there. Oh, some fried <laughs> fish, a fish fry down at the brewery. My, yeah. I'm there. Unfortunately, I'm going there this weekend. You're going oh, to Milwaukee? I forgot. Yeah, I'm going for That's a wedding. Cool. That's great, man. Hey, guys. All right, Joe. We'll, we'll be, be in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee two weeks ago when we recorded this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so come on down to the brewery because he got fish and chips. <laughs> Unfortunately, Al's engine failed after only 51 laps at that Milwaukee mile, and he didn't participate in any other races that season. He took a gap year. But even though he didn't race much that year, it was enough to leave a mark on then-champion A.J. Foyt. A.J. Foyt, who uh, uses Valvoline, which we all love. We love right. Valvoline. Official uh, oil of the channel. baby. That's right. A- Al was struggling to find the car fast enough for him to qualify for races. So Foyt began urging car owners to consider Unser for a better ride. Quote, he was a very smart race car driver, Foyt said, admiring his disciplined style. With Foyt's help... Al joined the Anstead Thompson Indy 500 racing team, driving Foyt's backup car, a Lola T80. The 1965 Indy 500 rookie class was notable. Along with Al, it was Mario Andretti. Who I've seen in his underpants. Gordon John. Gordon John Cock. (laughs) Joe Leonard and George Snyder's first Indy. Al finished in ninth with Mario Andretti in third which earned Andretti the coveted Rookie, rookie of the Year Award. Almost said Rookie. Although the Unsers had the gotten... R word of the Year Award. Okay. <laughs> oh Although the Unsers had gotten to the Indy 500, no one had ever claimed R word of the Year. of the Year. Thank you, James. In 1969, Al joined the Vel Parnelli Jones racing team the first time he had the equipment to match his skill level. But the Indy 500 would have to wait. Al broke his leg. Clowning around on his motorcycle oh the day before God. the time trials. Fortunately, Al quickly recovered and won three races that year. The following year in 1970 was major for Al Unser. Not only did Al win his first Indy, but won nine other races, giving him his first USAC championship. In 1971, he won his second Indy, making him the fourth person in history to accomplish back-to-back Indy wins. Well done, Al Unser. 
We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Because Indy racing was so dangerous back then, many drivers developed ways to cope with the fact that their lives may end at any given moment. For the Unzers, this meant pranks. Oh. <laughs> Bobby Unzer was known for pranking just about anyone. And even the reserved Al was known to get in on him. Well, now we got to get Johnny Knoxville in on this project. I mean, yeah. Come on. He's a prank He's, master. If nothing else to consult. Yeah. He loves those pranks. He does. He does. <laughs> we're going to give Jeff Tremaine his Adam McKay moment. Yeah. And he's going to direct. He's going to win an Oscar, and so is Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, guys, that will be our younger selves finally paying those guys back for yeah. all the entertainment. We're yes. Doing. All the fun stuff they've done. They're the reason I started wearing short pants. <laughs> <laughs> Once, Al knocked on the door of a fellow racer, and when it opened, he blasted him with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Got That's him. Not, Sick. Not really Sick prank. prank, dude. dude. It's just a prank, dude. Got him, dude. Another Freaking time, got him. he broke down the door while someone was peeing and punched them in the face. <laughs> got him. Got him. The only problem was the fire extinguisher guy was a salesperson, not the other race car driver <laughs> that he intended. Nice, dude. Freaking got his but ass. still, got yeah. him. The Freaking brothers would also him. soup up their snowmobiles over Christmas uh, with the end goal of jousting each other. That's sick. These guys would make sick. great YouTubers. Dude, yeah. These guys Pranked. would make way more money doing YouTube. Pranking people Pranked on the, the boardwalk. Yeah, dude. The Unser brothers. And it wasn't just like the, the kids brothers. who were known for their antics. While their father, Jerry, was a man of few words, his charismatic wife, Mary, became legendary for her chili. Oh, the chili. Yeah. Whoa. Which was rumored to be laced with tequila. Wow, that oh, dude, that's that's diarrhea town right there. That's diarrhea <laughs> that, town. That, yeah. uh, I mean, you would cook all the alcohol out of chili, so like laced yeah. is kind of a strong word, probably. That's true. So it's got a little tequila in it. Close to race day, she would serve several hundred people in the garage area parking lot, and the proceeds would go to various charities. In 1972, Bobby started driving for Dan Gurney's All-American Racers team. With the team, Bobby set another Indianapolis 500 record for the fastest qualifying speed of 195.940 miles per hour. Wow. That's fast, dude. In 1972, my car was made in 1987, and I'm terrified every time I get in it. I got a new car, guys. It's a Pinto. It's a Pinto. It's old. The following year, Bobby tied his youngest... <laughs> I assume that he tied him to something. <laughs> they're, they're pranking that guy. But the following year, Bobby tied his younger brother by winning his second Indy. Bobby raced for Dan Gurney until he moved over to Penske in 1979. Cool, okay. Penske tried to buy Saturn. Penske right? tried to buy Saturn, or but Hummer? he couldn't figure out the how planet. to make... No, he tried to buy Saturn. Yeah. But they couldn't figure out how to make cars. Yeah. That's like what you should. <laughs> yeah. Before you approach them to buy the company, one. you should figure out how you're going to make the cars. Yeah. At this point in his career, Bobby had already won two Indy 500s, but he was hoping to win one more. Then in 1981, he got his wish in one of the most controversial Indy 500s of all time. From the first lap of the race, Bobby drove his Cosworth DFX-powered PC9B into the lead. DFX, that's the turbo version. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was like the 
engine that dominated the DFV. DFV, oh. and then yeah, it dominated. The DFV forever. was like around for ever. Yeah, right? and then the X came out, and I was like, oh my god, there's oh a turbo god. on this now. There's a turbo DFV. Yeah, wow. I we should get diarrhea. Have we ever done a Cosworth episode? We should. We should do a Cosworth. Uh, it's episode. a big one. We could probably do multi-part on Cosworth. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, let us probably. know in the comments if you want us to do a multi-part episode on Cosworth. It's a name that comes up in a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. of these episodes. Uh, and also let us know what stuff we should um, cover in it, what key moments. And what, what's the what's the email we send it to? Uh, Mrs. Harry Styles at donutmedia.com. No. Pass, or pass gas at donut media. Yeah, send your submissions to pass gas at donut media and we will consider them. Bobby was in the lead for 90 of the laps, but controversy reared its ugly head on lap 149. During a caution period, Bobby Unzer and Mario Andretti, who have I seen in his underpants, pulled out of their pit stops when Andretti claimed Bobby pulled an illegal move. He passed eight cars during the caution. Yeah, that's illegal. It's worth noting that Andretti himself passed two. Oh, kettle black much? Kettle black much. Although Bobby won the race and was declared the winner, he was stripped of the championship the next morning after Andretti's team filed a complaint. Aww. Thus, Mario Andretti was declared the winner. But this wasn't over. Roger Penske, Bobby's boss, immediately filed a counter-protest on the grounds that Andretti had passed two cars under the yellow flag, too. Yeah. This is how I like sports to play out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Love it. After a 2-1 majority vote, ooh, gripping, uh, of its three-member board, USAC reversed the post-race penalty ruling and reinstated Bobby wow. as the winner of the 1981 Indy 500. Yeah. Shouldn't have passed those two cars. Yeah. Yeah. Andretti... Uncle Mario. However, he was still fined $45,000 for his infractions, which is a lot of money in 81. But still, to get the championship title? Yeah, yeah man. It's like paying $30,000 to get your star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Trump, exactly I'm, like you that. You still got a exactly star on there. Like you still know? got a star on there, yeah. and Henry pooped on it. Mm -hmm. Bobby retired from IndyCar after that season, and as for Andretti, he refused to give Bobby his championship <laughs> ring. Nah, man, you can't have it. That's how Mario Andretti talks. <laughs> hey, man, oh, he's so cool. As a result, the two former friends refused to talk to each other for over 30 years, though they'd eventually bury the hatchet in 2017 when Bobby's health started to falter. Guys would rather not talk to their best friend for 30 years than talk about an issue. Mm, yeah. I know that well, Bart. <laughs> Later, when Bobby was asked if he would do anything differently in the 1981 race, he quipped, Yeah. <laughs> I'd pass more cars. <laughs> In retirement, Bobby became a commentator for the televised IndyCar races and published the book, Winners Are Driven, A Champion's Guide to Success in Business and Life. Then in 1993, Bobby set a Bonneville Salt Flats records of 223.709 miles per hour mm -hmm. yeah. in a degas modified roadster, a record that stood unchallenged for 18 years. That's cool. That is cool. Until a long, a long time to have Nolan it. Sykes was born. Well, we're in <laughs> sea air, actually. You're in sea air. Yeah. Not degas. Not degas. What's 
Yeah, what's the difference? Uh, so our class has a has only one engine that you can use, one engine block, and uh. the uh, restriction. It's it's supposed to be like the, a budget class. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So basically, everyone has the same motor. It's almost like a spec motor. Ah. Yeah. But mm. not really. Is it an Offenhauser? No, it's a Chevy. I figured. Is it a DFX? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Was it like a Chevy small block? Yep. Fifty. No, I think it's it's I think smaller than that. I want to say three twenty. No, three hundred two. No, two eighty nine. Let me two eighty nine. If you must know, two sixty. I got a hundred thousand dollars. That's two eighty nine. <laughs> Who wants the action? Who wants the action? Who wants the action? Sea Air Roadster. Gavin's rubbing the action. Who wants the action? You want action on this, Gavin? Three ninety two. Mm, no, that's, that's too big. big, Gavin. You're about to lose a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, two eighty nine. Two eighty nine. I bet it's two eighty nine. You want action on this? Hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. Daddy's about to make two hundred grand. I'm about to buy an Aston Martin F one. <laughs> The only engine class in air is C, so maximum engine displacement 353. is 373. Okay, 373. 373. Yeah, that's what that I'm seeing right here. Right. That sounds about right. Wow, Gavin wins. Crap. <laughs> 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 so you can't buy an Aston Martin. Back to Al, all right? Al fell into a bit of a racing slump from most of the 70s, winning only six races in seven years. Then in 1977, due to disagreements about the direction of the team, Al left Vell's Parnelli Jones racing team to join the Chaparral racing team from the 1978 season. Oh, this season. is the super weird car, right? That was over in Trans Am. Oh, Al okay. drove a Lola T500 to wins in both Pocono and Ontario and earned the USAC Triple Crown of 500 milers. He was the first and only racer to win all three races in the same year. Despite this record, he finished second in the USAC championship, you know? Whatever. If you're not happened. first, you're second. You you're can be first, you're second. You can put that in your hat. If you're not first, you're second. Stickers right. available at donutmedia.com. In 1982, tragedy struck the Unser family yet again. Al's daughter, Debbie, was riding in a dune buggy with her friends when they hit a rut. Mm. Debbie was not wearing a seatbelt and hit her temple Ooh. on the roll cage. <sighs> she died instantly at only 21 years old. Al, devastated by the loss, coped the only way he knew how, and that was to race even more. In 1983, Al joined Penske Racing and went on to win the PPG IndyCar World Series. In 1985, he would win it again, just barely beating his son for the third and final national championship. That's what my dad used to say to the cops. Hey, I was just barely beating my yeah, son. Barely. <laughs> I was just barely beating my son. By this time, his son Al Unser Jr., or Little Al, was becoming a force to be reckoned with in the sport. And the father-son rivalry was selling tickets. Dude, I They mean, wanted to see come that. Come on, dude. They want to see this. Yeah, they want to see old Papa. guy. Al on Al. Fight his dad. Al on Al action. The biggest. The most <laughs> yeah, the, Al on Al action. The most exciting Al on Al action. <laughs> However, this Sunday. There was the fact Al that Unser Al Senior versus Al Unser Jr. Little Will. Al versus Senior Al. Senior Al. Brought to you by Ginger Al. <laughs> <laughs> will the daddy make the baby cry or will the baby make the daddy cry? It's Little Al versus Senior Al, brought to you by Schweppes. Someone Ginger is Al. crying this Sunday. No matter what, some unser's gonna cry. <laughs> 
However, Al was in his late 40s, and many around him thought it was time to retire. Unfortunately, though, Penske didn't give him any choice and dropped Al in favor of Rick Mears, Danny Sullivan, and Danny Ongai. But Al wasn't ready to quit just yet. He looked for a car to race Indy, but wasn't having any luck until Danny Ongai crashed into a wall during the first week of Indy practice. Danny had a concussion and wasn't fit to race. So he had, Roger, he had birds around. Yeah. So Roger Penske reached out to Al. Penske promised Unser a well-funded effort, and in 1986, March Cosworth, if he would come back to race for the Penske team. Al was still a little bit sore that he was released by Penske the previous season, but he knew the car was too good to pass up. The year-old March was removed from a Penske racing display at a Sheraton Hotel. <laughs> in the team's hometown and hurriedly prepared for a quick uh, return to active competition. On the second weekend of time trials, Al earned his position at 20th on the grid. Wow. Al had a slow start. Mario Andretti led 170 of the first 178 laps. Wow. And even lapped Al Unser. Quote, After that, I stood up in that car and started driving it like I should have to start with. Unser said Al used his intelligence and patience to make his way up the ranks. Remember, he's the youngest yeah, Unser brother. Youngest the... Unser brother. He's cool, calm, yeah. collected. That's Al. Right. When Andretti's car began to slow with ignition problems, driver Roberto Guerrero took the lead. Then, in second place, Al was still a full lap behind. Then, on lap 183, Guerrero's car stalled on his final pit stop. Al was able to claim the lead and win his fourth Indy 500. What a dramatic finish. Yeah, Tying A.J. Yeah. Foyt's record and breaking his brother Bobby's record for the oldest racer to win. To wow. quote Big Al himself. Everybody said, I can't believe he won the race. I said, I can't either. Nice. <laughs> Big Al continued to race part-time for Penske, but in 1990 he was pushed out in favor of for full-time drivers. In 92, Big Al entered the month of May still looking for a ride. During the first week of practice, Nelson Piquet was involved in a serious crash and was unable to drive. Team Menard hired Al to fill in, driving the Buick 3300 V6T at the Indy 500. Al placed third while his son, Al Jr., won his first Indy 500 by just .043 seconds. Wow. That was ahead of one Scott Goodyear. Ironic that he was named after a tire. Yeah. And then couldn't win. Couldn't use the tire. That was a bad year for yeah. good year. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. a but you got second. Yeah, it's second. a good it year. Good. Al Jr.'s win was a wake up for Big Al. It was time for him to support his son. <laughs> yeah, at 50 years old, it was time <laughs> to support my adult son. Hey, you want to go toss the baseball outside? <laughs> uh, when you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. We'll get together then. Yeah, we'll get together then. Although what? Al it's the lyrics for Cats in a Cradle <laughs> Pop. Uh, I.e., it's too late. Although Al would race Indy again in 1993 and come in 12th place, he decided it was time to retire in 94 when he was 55 years old. Quote, I just said, well, you don't have the desire nor the will to go after it anymore. You need to quit. I always said that when it comes time for you to quit or retire, you'll know it. I just looked at myself and I said, it's time. Al Jr. won his second Indy 500 in 1994 on his father's 55th birthday. That year, he was also named ABC Wide World of Sports nice. Athlete of the Year. Nice. Big Al was there by the racetrack to support his son and the next generation of Unser Racing. I mean, back then, Indy was so much bigger than it is now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's still very big, though. The name Unser has always and will always be associated with racing. Al Jr.'s son, Al Unser III. Tiny Al, they call yeah. him. Uh, well, he prefers to be known as Just Al. <laughs> was named Rookie of the Year in the Skip Barber Western Racing Series in 2003. In 2004, he made his Toyota Atlantics debut for Formula Racing, running in four events. Although he would continue to race for the rest of the 2000s, he has since moved on to the world of real estate, which is smarter than racing. Yeah. Robbie Unser, son of Bobby. <laughs> These guys nice. like need to learn more names. Yeah. How about like a Chris? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's like my name's Bobby. I don't want to name Bobby, but <laughs> what rhymes with Bobby? I'm Joggy. I'm Jobby. <laughs> Get out of here, Jobby. Ha, da, da. <laughs> well, Robbie won the Pikes Peak Hill Climb nine times. Damn, dude. In the rally, open wheel, truck, and stock classes. That's not right. I wish there was an open wheel truck class. In 1998, he raced in his first Indy 500, coming in fifth place and winning the Indy Racing League's Rookie of the Year. Nice. Johnny Unser... <laughs> Still pretty close. Son of Jerry Unzer. It's a J. Mm -hmm. yep. Is a championship Rocket League player. <laughs> <laughs> he raced in the Indy 500 for five consecutive years from 96 to 2000, but left racing soon thereafter. He still works in motorsport. Uh, he's been an advisor to the Mazda Road to Indy and is a racing advisor and spokesperson for Cooper Tire. Cool. He's also an official for IndyCar in race control and owns the Unser Racing Karting and Entertainment Track in Denver, Colorado. Wow, we should hey. go there. We should go there. Meanwhile, his daughter, 24-year-old Lonnie Unser, has decided to continue the family tradition of getting to the top of the mountain. She participated in 2022 Pikes Peak Mountain Climb in a 2019 Porsche GT4 Club Sport Whoa, nice. and placed second in the Porsche Pikes Peak Trophy Club. That's sick. Cool. In her own words, it's so cool to be a woman on Pikes Peak, one of three. I hope to see many more women in the years to come. You know, I think if you dream big and you work hard, you can make anything happen. And I encourage all women, if I can do it, they can do it too. Why not? The Unsers are the first family of the Indianapolis Speedway, and they got that way due to their competitive spirit. With the 28 Indianapolis 500s held between 1967 and 1994, there were only nine in which an Unser failed to place within the first three finishers. What? Holy crap. Jeez. First family of Indianapolis, I want to hear what the Agajanians have to say about that. Yeah, for real. I uh, Also, Uncle Louie, still... You're still sus, yeah. dude. Yeah, Uncle Louie. jury's Louis. still out. No one thinks Uncle Louie should stay in his lane. I <laughs> I think something's up. I want to know the T. Pump the brakes, Uncle yeah, Louie. Anyway. Pump the brakes, Uncle Louie. Got some listener mail this week. Hey, everybody. I'm a big fan of your YouTube channel, along with your podcasts, which I listen to during my daily commute. Thank you very much. During my senior year at Michigan State, I was able to take automotive engineering classes, and the professors would play the Science Garage YouTube videos for the class as a way to better explain the material. I love hearing about the technical innovations throughout automotive history, and your channel does a great job explaining those. Thank you for all the great content, and keep up the great work. Best, Connor S. Thank you very much, Connor. Thank you, Connor. Great job at Michigan State. That's a Go Spartans. Wolverines? No, Spartans. Great, Go great Spartans. Uh, engineering Go Spartans. school. 
A lot of uh, people over there in Detroit working for the Big Three came from that college, and I wish you all the best. Connor, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, hit us up at PascasPodcast at DonutMedia.com. And if you want to see any fun lifestyle crap or BTS moments, or if you miss Nolan's engagement announcement and you don't want to miss me or Joe's, Follow us at James Pumphrey, <laughs> mm-hmm. at Joe G. Weber, and at Nolan J. Sykes Thank on social media. Thank Go you. Go follow uh, us on YouTube at Donut Media. Follow our uh, Instagrams and crap on at Donut Media. If you want to look out for past gas merch coming to the Donut Media store very soon. Yeah, right. and in the meantime, if you want to pick up some donut stuff, we have a bunch of awesome shirts, hats, uh, and accessories up there already. Go to donutmedia.com, check all that stuff out. Guys, thank you so much. We got 100,000 uh, subs on our YouTube. Tell your friends about it. Uh, if you haven't already, <laughs> hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Hit the bell. We're going to upload these every week now. And thanks to you guys for listening for all these years. We are now officially the number one automotive podcast on the planet. We uh, That means we are better than everyone in the automotive realm <laughs> at talking. So Joe Rogan, hit us up. We'll be on your show. Uh, all right, guys. I love you. Bye.